Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word brings life, Lord. Your word is life. Lord, we thank you that your written word is actually God in print. It's the word of God for us to know you. And we just pray today, Father, as we consider your word, Holy Spirit, that you would use what we would read and the words that I may speak, Lord, to, uh, to honor you and to challenge us all and to work the change that you want to work in us through this time. So, Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge that you are our ultimate teacher and that you're the one that brings revelation and the reality of your word in our hearts and lives. So we just thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Mark chapter 9, it starts out talking about the transfiguration when Jesus was up on the mountain. And um, kind of kind of cool because I've seen that mountain. They think it's the one. That's one of the ones they're not really totally sure, but it's, it's behind Jericho. There's a, there's a group of hills behind Jericho, about a half mile to a mile behind Jericho, and they believe that that's where Jesus was transfigured. And um, Peter, James, and John, you know, were kind of saw some of what took place when Jesus came from the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus was kind of glowing with that Shekinah, they call it just the radiance of God that you see sometimes pictures depict of him and Moses, kind of um, of the, just an amazing experience. Of course, Jesus is God, but yet he lived in his earthly flesh and he was with the Father and the Holy Spirit talking. And so anyway, they saw this experience and uh, so they're just, they're just impacted in an amazing way because of that. Then as it kind of comes to the end of that section of verses, which is here in Mark 9, round 13, then it kind of transitions. Because while he was gone with the other three disciples, that there was a situation that occurred that a man had this boy that was being uh, possessed by a demonic spirit, an unclean spirit. And that the disciples had, the father had asked them to heal for, pray to heal their son of this thing that had been throwing his son into a fire and hurting himself and burning himself and cutting himself, all kinds of things. And, and so that's kind of the account here. And really what I want to get to is at the end of that account, which is verses 28 and 29. But I'm going to read the whole thing because I think the whole gist of what we're reading here is important to, to listen to. So starting at verse 14 in Mark 9. Now, I want you to know that this account is also um, in Luke chapter 9, but the same account is also in Matthew 16. And we're probably going to be going to Matthew 16 to kind of talk a little bit about what Matthew experienced. So, verse 14. When they came back to the disciples from being on the Mount of Transfiguration, they came to the other disciples that weren't with them up there, they saw a large crowd around the other disciples and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, meaning Jesus, that's a capital H, they, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And Jesus said to them, what are you discussing? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, uh, I brought you my son possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. 
And whenever it seizes him, it slams him into the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth, and he stiffens up. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And Jesus answered to them, and uh, I think this kind of amazes some people. This is what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus is a little frustrated with after spending, because we're getting kind of close to the time that Jesus is going to be going into Jerusalem. And so they've been with him for a while, at least a couple of years, if not the full, pretty much three years here. So he's, he's just frustrated with them. After being with them pretty much day and night and seeing the things he has done. And um, so anyway, so verse 20. So they brought the boy to him. When he saw Jesus, immediately the spirit threw the boy into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has he, this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him uh, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you, meaning Jesus, that's a capital Y, if you, Jesus, can do anything, take pity on us and help us. There's an exclamation point. He's, he's, um, he's serious about this. He's urgent about the issue. Jesus, do something. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. That's the key we're looking at there, as well as when we get to the end. So he's, the, the if you can, he's saying, if you believe, because some of the other versions say, you know, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. You can tell by his response here that he knew that that was the question. But help my unbelief. I love that aspect. That's, that's important for all of us. I know everybody that's in this room believes to a degree or has faith to a degree. This, this belief that you, you, could, you could interchange this belief with faith here, because this is the kind of belief that we're not just talking about. You know, in James it says, even the demons believe, but they're, they're going to hell. Well, we're talking about the kind of the belief here that has faith to it, that is the kind that says, I believe, I do, but yet, Lord, help my unbelief. And that should be a prayer for all of us at times, you know, because I know we all believe, but there's times we need to have our faith, our belief stiffened a little bit. And immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into the terrible convulsion, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is surely dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. And we came into the house, I suppose, the, I don't know whose house, but he came to the house. The disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? So I, I guess I want us to be challenged sometimes. You know, here he gave them this very strong rebuke. He said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall, am I going to have to put up with you guys? How long should... Uh, just bring him to me. You know, he, he's frustrated, but they came to him. They came to the realization, okay, now they've already at times done some miraculous things themselves. But here they are, this, this, this demon, this boy that was possessed, been possessed for a long time, 
um, that they just they weren't able to just declare come out of him and that's really what what the father was wanting and that's what Jesus did he, he's not talking about necessarily praying that they come out he's they were trying to declare it like Jesus did but this this um, this last verse with verse 23 where Jesus said to the father if you if you believe all things are possible with those that believe and this last verse is where we're going to really point in on this and he said to them this kind cannot come out by anything but by prayer and he's not just talking about praying at the time because we've been given authority to cast out demons we've been given authority to speak the word of healing to people it's God that does it not us but we're conduits of that of that ability we're called to do that but what he's talking about here is that you know maybe while Jesus was gone the disciples were just kind of having a little party kind of glorying in being with Jesus and the people maybe asking because when they saw Jesus remember when they saw Jesus come down how the crowd get ran to him and gathered around him and it actually said that uh, when the people gathered around him um, let me see there was an exclamation point anyway because they, they were just excited to see him they were amazed well anyway so the reality is they could they could have just been kind of chilling down and I, I don't know necessarily how long he was up on the mountain and just kind of enjoying kind of some glory of we're with Jesus we're the disciples we're part of the we're part of the team is going to establish this new kingdom you know, you, you know, even up to the point of Jesus' crucifixion, they were thinking he was going to be a, a earthly king ruler and not the Messiah that died and then rose again and then ascended and left his power, the Holy Spirit, with us. And then it was coming back again at a later time. The Messiah that they were looking for then is coming back still in our future sometime. But he said, this kind cannot come out by anything but, but by prayer, but by prayer. And I guess my teaching today has to do, let's, let's look at the teaching now as we've read this. You know, Jesus tells us in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's, the, that's what he came for, is that we might be the victors and the men and women of God that he's called us to be, to walk in whole life, complete life. Does anybody know what the balance of that verse is right now? What's the balance of that verse? I know Sherry knows it. Huh? The balance of that verse where he says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But what's, it, what's the other part of that same verse? John 10.10. 10. Talks about what Satan came to do. What he is. What is he? Well, uh, let me just turn. Still, that's right. That's what it says. So he came that we might have life, but the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. Why would he put those two things in there together? Because he wants us to know that the enemy is a thief. He is a liar, we're told, right? What do you, what do you know about Satan? You know, Jesus says in 1010, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. 
we're, we're told that he's like a lying, roaming about to see who he might devour, steal away. We know he's a liar. He lies. He's the father of lies, the Bible tells us. So those are, those are who Satan is. And as, as we go through this, this basic outline, we're going to kind of go through it kind of quick because the key of what I want to get to is really at the end of this. But these are important aspects. He came that we might have life and have it more abundant. That's a reality. Point one, God wants us to know that he cares about every aspect of our lives. For life, but he tells us that but life is more than food and more than clothing. For this reason, I say to you, don't worry about those things. And yes, we need to be diligent and we need to work. We need to do what we can to provide for that. But he cares for us. You know, it's, life is more than food and drink and clothing and substance. He, there's a greater picture he's trying to, get us, trying to get us to see here in this verse. There's a greater reality than what we can see on this plane of earth. Point two, Jesus came to set us free from our despair and our short-sightedness. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Once again, we, we live on this earth, so we have to have the reality that there's physical and practical things that need to be done. That's for sure. But sometimes we get so caught up with our, our financial problems, uh, our health problems, our relational problems, our work situations, that we were kind of stuck on continually seeing everything just from an earthly plane. But God keeps trying to get us to break through that earthly pl plane, that, that, that earthly reality that's important that we live in. But we have a greater destiny now, those that are Christians. Our greater reward is going to be in eternity. But we can live like kings, the king's kids now if we walk in that place, even though we have the earthly problems and the trials and difficulties, to keep reminding ourselves and getting into the word, the reality, being with other Christians, to realize that there's a greater picture of things going on here. Just as we even talked about that petition, you know. We can just kind of go, what's the old saying? We can just go along being fat, dumb, and happy. Just, yeah, do, 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 do. Oh, it's a great life. Everything's good. I'm just taking care of it. Or it could be, oh, it's so bad, it's so hard. We, you know, whatever it is we're wanting to walk in and forget about the reality. There's a greater thing that God is doing at work. So when, he, when it says in that point two that Jesus came to set us free from despair and short-sightedness, not necessarily always change our circumstance, but to change our perspective on what's going to happen. See, short-sightedness you only see right here. We only see in the earthly plane. We have to get above that. We have to, we have to get, as it were, in a helicopter and see from the grandeur of God's perspective and ways that he sees things. I was, uh, yesterday evening I was watching uh, what's called Global Tracker. I think on WSU, every once in a while I watch WSU for things like that. They travel around, but they were in Hawaii. And that's one place I want to visit someday is see Hawaii. I'm just, I would love to go there. But they saw it from the, on the ground level. But at the end, she says, you know, the perfect way to see Hawaii is from an aerial view. So they get up in a helicopter and they go up. And just how green and lush, I mean, it looked great from the ground level too. Don't get me wrong. But she, they went up in the air and you could just see just the beauty of all the colors and just... You know, the shores and uh, the black sand. They have black sand in Hawaii because of the volcanoes in one area. Um, just the beauty of it. Ooh, that's the way to see. We can get caught up in the, 
the big waves. I can't get the water. You know, you'll be on ground level. You just, those waves are awful. But when you get above, you see how gorgeous and how amazing all of it is. That's where God wants us to be. And I know we, reality is, no matter who you are, you're usually not walking in that perspective all the time. You know, you're dealing with issues. You're mowing grass. You're trimming shrubs. You're, you know, running the sweeper, washing the dishes, going to work. You know, and there's all kinds of other things that we have to be doing, no doubt. But even in doing that, we have to learn how to keep above. Have you ever moved into that place where you kind of were going through things? And it might have been a good day, could have been a bad day, but all of a sudden, somehow, you just felt like you were, you were just in another zone where you just felt, felt the, the, the radiance, felt the, the pleasure of God. You felt, I don't know, just the full sense of being a part of the family of God of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, of the Creator, you know? Have you ever, ever been there, experienced that? That's an awesome feeling. Now, you can't always walk in that just because of the reality, particularly if you're not feeling good. You know, if you've got some physical problems, it's hard to get to that place. So anyhow, that's what, that's what we're talking about here. He, helped, he came to set us free from the despair and the short-sightedness. And so that's why we have to realize we walk in faith, not by what I'm going through, not by how I'm feeling or anything. Number three is Jesus showed us examples of our potential as he touched the physical lives of people, just as we saw here in this young man. But Jesus took him, the boy, by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. And, you know, I, that's pretty, oh, Bethany didn't give her testimony. I'm angry. I'm going to give her testimony for her. I want her to do it, but shoot. This past weekend, she was um, at her friend's house, the one young lady that was going to do the child care. They live right in Pataskala, right next to the Pataskala Elementary School, in that, one of those houses right there, one of the older parts of Pataskala. And uh, they were in their house, and they saw a bunch of emergency squads pull up out in the street in front. And... Uh, the man that lived right across was, a, was an older gentleman, and his son, who's probably in his 50s or 60s, I'm not sure, but he was, he was working in the yard, uh, cleaning it up, doing a lot of work. And it was a, it was a warm day. Uh, I forget which day it was, but it was last weekend. But anyhow, uh, he had fallen down in the yard, and he was laying in the front yard, and the emergency squad was there working on him, and she said they were trying to do CPR, and they put the paddles on him, and, and uh, they... Uh, as, as, so Bethany and her friend walked out the front door. And the one girl that's been here to, for a couple days, a couple of Sundays now, and was going to actually watch the kids, said, you know, you think we ought to pray for him? Pray for him? And uh, Bethany says, oh, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> you know? And the girl says, I've never prayed out loud. You pray for him. So Bethany prayed for him. And they had him in a body bag. They had put him in a body bag. But you know what? His arm flopped out of the body bag. He woke up. And they were across the street. What do you think about that? And isn't God awesome? I mean, and she and I were together that day, and I just pulled up in the driveway to drop her off for her to get in her car, and she just told me that then. I'm thinking, you're just telling me this now, and we spent all this time together? <laughs> Come on. You've got to share that testimony. I, I wish I hadn't forgotten. I don't know. You know what excited me? Here was this woman, young lady, 
I call her a girl because I think she's like 22 or 21 or something like that. Real sweet. Sweet as can be. I don't know if you've talked to her. She's just real sweet. But, you know, when you get around people that are really either new in the Lord or curious and are really serious about finding out more about the Lord, that's when God's going to do his miracles. We get too comfortable. We get kind of complacent in our, our place. We just, he wants us to get more and more and more bold. Not, not um, offensive. No, that's not what we're talking We're talking about just being bold in the Lord, not being afraid to step out like this, this Southwest-looking board member. You know, he's stepping out. That's not his personality. I guarantee you. I'm going to maybe try to get him to come Sunday and to talk a little bit about it and just from his perspective, what's going on. So, but that's, that's, what, that's where we need to go. That's the perspective we need to get. And that, here's the disciples. They're seeing now Jesus, after he rebuked them, this, the father said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus says, okay, hey, if you believe, anything is possible. Here's the father. You know, he just, he believed with the disciples, but I'm, I'm not sure what was going on with them. But here's Jesus now. And he just, the kid comes awake. And so the fourth point we have here, the reality uh, was not for the time past of that ability and power that he has for us. Or it wasn't just for Jesus while he was physically on the earth. But as believers or children of God's family, it's for you and me today. Again, all things are possible to him or her who believes. All things. Interesting how that's the state motto too, huh? You like that? All things are possible with God. We're the only state that has a scripture as, as its state motto. And I'm sure in some ways we just kind of stumbled into that, but I'm glad it's there. You know, it's, it's who we are as a state. And you can proclaim that in your life. And because of that, there's been different people over the last decade and a half or two decades, different prophetic people around the United States that have said that Ohio is going to be a place of igniting a move of God that's going to go across the country and around the world. That's, that's come up at a couple times in the last decade and a half or so. And you know, God's timing's perfect. We want it now, right? But we keep believing and trusting and believing for God. We just keep doing our work. And then when God says it's the right time, that's when that'll happen, right? All things are possible. Now, the next point, Jesus asked us the same question. He asked the Father, that he asked the Father, if you believe. Do you believe? I have here believe. The kind of believe he's talking about here is have faith, trust, to have complete faith and trust in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of belief he's talking about. He's talking about faith to trust in him. And again, the honesty of the Father. I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. I just don't know. You know, I've lived with my son all these years. I've gone through, I, I you know, I think I've done all I can do. Even your disciples couldn't cast him out. So, you know, you can see where he's at. I believe, but I don't know. I don't know. I have to feel like the disciples that couldn't cast out the demon were kind of there too, you know? They wanted to see the boy healed, but they were just, they were just kind, of, kind of just there, you know? Just been kind of following along with Jesus. Now that Jesus was gone, they were just kind of, kind of having their own kind of party thing and enjoying some matzah and, you know, some stuff, I don't know, fresh fish, you know, some sushi, I don't know, with the, with the crowd, with the people out there and kind of milling. Yeah, yeah, we're with Jesus. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, well, you know, 
I actually stood beside him when he healed one person. No, I was right there, close by. A little closer, and you get some of that off me like that. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Right? You know, that, that isn't how Jesus works. Jesus wants to work through you and me. He wants that same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It's there. And he's talking about a life decision that you no more are the same person you were before you got saved. You're now a totally complete person. You have to engage that concept in you. And you have to water that with the word and through prayer and through fellowship. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I've seen some pretty good things. I've even been to Africa. I went to Russia. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pastor, too. You know? That's not what it's about. That, that won't get me anywhere. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? Jesus didn't come and say, yeah, I know, but you know, I got to draw a line somewhere. No, he, he's not gonna, he, said, he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Whew. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here. Pretty, that's pretty, that's got an exclamation point. It's not like, well, Jesus, I, I know your name. And I remember the day I gave my life to you. I know you. I got saved. I'm, you know, invest in that eternal picture daily. Invest in that growing of that transition that happened. That the old has passed away and behold, all things have become new. Then the last point, the sixth point, after we believe, then we act our faith and trust. Because faith, trust are the definition of that belief. So now we, we put it into action. This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. The AZ got stuck in there. I, that was probably me, and I transferred it. Did it come out in yours, too? I don't know. Nope. Good job. Rob took it out for me. So, What am I talking about? I'm talking about your commitment to be in prayer with the Lord. Your commitment to daily spend time with him and set your day and agenda around the reality that you need to be filled with the assurance that you're walking with him, you're talking with him, whether you're uh, working on an assembly line, working on a, picking up trash in a neighborhood, whether you're selling cars, whether you, whatever you're doing in your life, painting walls, delivering packages, Fixing fire stations, fire equipment. Our lives should be just oozing out Jesus. And people not knowing it, but realizing there's something different about you. Because remember I talked about a few weeks ago, we, the class that we were going through, we talked about spiritual warfare, that as a Christian, right from the point in time you gave your life to Jesus, you're in spiritual warfare. There's a spiritual battle going on for your life. There was before, and there is now. 
particularly kind of at the beginning of your walk in many ways, but the glory of God and his radiance, he just keeps wanting to show you what you've just done. So Jesus is just knocking things off all the time like this guy. He, Bethany, you think we ought to pray for this guy? Well, yeah, that's a good idea. I can't pray for him. I don't pray. You pray. And the guy goes, his arm comes out of the bag. You want to see things like that? Position yourself in the places where that can happen. Huh? Miracles. Power. Well, the thing I really wanted to get into was the reality of the battle going on. The reality that um, we understand our enemy, which we kind of talked about. We talked about some of the specific things that he is. He's a liar. He's a thief. But he's, and he's a defeated foe, but he still has power. And he does prowl around, seeking those he might devour. He, he comes in to try to lie to us. Oh, you don't want to stir up stuff here. You don't want to, you don't, you know. Just. Now, there's a time to speak up, and there's a time to not to. I'm not saying in every situation you just start shouting Jesus' name. But there's a time to do that. But the key is that we're close with the Lord. That we know that the overall strategy, you know, there's a strategy. There's three things. There's a strategy we need to have as Christians. There's tactical, tactics. And there's a logistical need to it. And the strategy is the reality that as Christians, first, the plan is to see how many people we can gain into the kingdom. How many people we can let our light shine that they'll see the good works and glorify our Father. And that, that one purpose in all that we do is to glorify God and to see others won into the kingdom. That's the strategy God has for the kingdom, for us as family members, you know. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them, showing them how to live like I showed you how to live. That's the strategy. That's it. Then there's the tactical. The tactical is the different wars that we have to wage to get there. Just like in, like in a battle, in the military. You know, you don't just start throwing your people out there into battles. You, you have different strategies and plans. We, we need to be, when we're praying, we need to pray. We need to pray for God's strategy to come to pass in our lives. And through our lives, and in our family, in our church, in our neighborhood. God, bring people in. The Bible says that there's, the laborers are few, but the harvest is ready now it's whitened harvest. It's it's almost to the point, you know, with all the rain we've had, you know, wheat has been starting to get ripe. And I, I went past the, the field there on Black's Road between Watkins and Township County Line Road there. There's a field there of wheat. And I was driving past it two days ago, I think. I don't know. The day that it was raining all day, whatever day that was, I guess that was that Friday? Friday. Drove past it and they had two wheat combines sitting there as the rain was pouring down. You know, you don't combine wheat when it's pouring rain. It's got to be dry. But the field was starting to blow over. Because the wheat was white into harvest, and they were getting ready to harvest it, and the rain came. You know, we, the, the harvest is ready. People are there. And, and I think the picture I saw of the, the ones that were blown over were the ones that have already passed away and that we haven't shared the gospel with. They, they aren't going to be harvested for the kingdom of God. That the rains came and the wind blew and the, and the wheat. Because somebody wasn't there to harvest it at the right time. Got blown over by the lies and the, and the work of the enemy. 
God desires that not any, not one, be lost. So we, we need to be close to God, though, so we're connected with him. And we're, we're involved in praying that that strategy comes to Then we pray that the tactical warfare is that we have before us, that we see the enemy is, like I said, he's, he's, a, he's still got some power, you know. He's re, he and his demons, or the, the angels that fell with him back before things were even created, they're out there trying to steal everyone that they can take with them. They're trying to misdirect us. He's a liar. He's trying to tell us things to keep us from sharing. Well, they're, going to make you, they're going to think you're foolish, Daniel, because you're on the school board. You've got a pretty high position here. You got elected on that position. You know, you start talking about creationism and, and sex gender things when everybody's heading that. They're trying to make you think everybody's on that side. That they're on the liberal side or the side against creation, against that gender is a given thing. Yes, there are some unique situations where you kind of wonder, but that's how some things happen. But gender is a given thing of God, of our creation, when we're made in the womb of our parent, our mother. So there's different wars. So the tactics that we are engaged in, the different battles with people's lives and things, we need to... We need to be praying that God give us those opportunities to engage in the battle. We need to bind the, the enemy. We're told to bind the strong man. You have to bind the strong man before you can go into the house and take these things. So we have to bind the enemy and all of his demons, all their work, in the name of Jesus, because Jesus said, whatsoever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. So that way you, you tie him up. You declare authority in the name of Jesus, and then you loose the power of the work of the Holy Spirit to go before you and with you and empower you tactically in those battles. And the logistics is just something simple. Like here's Becky flying over to Africa to encourage and to assist Doug and Lindy and even speak in their church some. That's a logistical thing to get there. How, where are we going to do this? Are we going to do a street ministry? Are we going to invite people to the church and through that impact their lives for the kingdom of God? You know, logistics is um, just simply supplying the physical needs for God's people as we fight the battles. But we need to be praying for all three of those things. We need to pray for the strategy to be worked out through us, through our church, through our families, through our lives. We need to pray that the battles that we fight, that the enemy, God would go before us and the enemy be defeated. You know, the Ephesians 6, you know, the, um, that we put on the protective things that the... Um, that the, uh, our faith would go before us, the shield of faith, that we would pray and believe, and that that shield would go before us and deflect the enemy's plans as we're going forward in the battle. Taking the sword of the Spirit, taking the Word of God with us, that our feet would be shod with the, with the good news of righteousness. So, that's, that's what I'm trying, that's the point I'm trying to get to with the whole thing here. Is, and I'm saying you're going to start doing miraculous things. Hey, it could happen. I don't know. I do know that, that there's something simmering. And we're, even though we're at a time where it's pretty confusing and pretty chaotic. Remember I said about half a year ago, a year ago, I said, God moves in chaos. When things become chaotic and people become urgent, they become... Um, intense about wanting to see something happen. The Father was God. Do something. Exclamation point. Jesus says, do you believe? 
all things are possible to those that believe. When we get to the place that we're, we, we need to see something happen, that's when God is just getting ready to do the miraculous. And who knows, maybe you, us, our community, our neighborhood, our churches here, Central Ohio, could be a part of unleashing a new move of God. Can you believe for that? Can we believe for that? All right, let's stand. Father, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. That you come to move those things out of the way to make all things possible. That you come to uh, cut off the lies, the deception, the ugly work of the enemy, to set captives free, that we might be able to love with your love and to, to believe with faith for who you are and who you've called us to be. So Lord, I just release that, that hope right now in Jesus' name. I, I just declare every lie and every plan of the enemy to not prosper in Jesus' name. That every deceptive thing and every distracting thing that would remove us from your plan would be cut off in Jesus' name. I pray for clarity of understanding and vision, uh, vision of the natural and vision of the supernatural, God, that we can begin to see from your perspective, even as we're walking on this earthly place, that, God, we could, we could really be in the heavenlies in a way that would be genuine, real, and powerful for your kingdom. So, Lord, I just release that hope and that promise. I release that... Uh, that possibility that if we'd only just believe in faith and then walk it out and trust you, that, that our prayers, Lord God, would be before your throne and our physical beings on this earth would uh, move the mountains that Jesus talked about. And we would see people saved. We would see people delivered from the snare of the enemy and made right in the kingdom of God. So, Lord, I just release that anointing that power, that grace, Holy Spirit, to just come and enable us, God, in a greater measure to be your witnesses on this earth, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go do it.